Like if you're just saying, oh, I have to do this video, I have to do this interview, have to do this, and you're showing up with that energy that you're not enjoying it, guess what? You're not going to have the results that you want in magnetizing people around you and getting people excited about whether they can become clients or collaborators or partners, you name it. So it's been a process of learning, okay, I need to create content so that people can know what I'm about. But at the same time, I need to reach out and connect with people and have conversations, invite people to talk to me so that I can understand really what their pain points are and how I can help them, if at all. And when I have those conversations, then it fuels more idea for content because I get to see how people discuss their problems. I get to understand their limiting beliefs. I get to understand their objections. And I can talk about that in my content. You're listening to concert pianist Fabiana Clore, who turned her passion for piano into a brick-and-mortar music school, one of the nation's top collegiate music business school programs, and now a special initiative teaching musicians how to become successful entrepreneurs online without giving up their first love of music. You'll love her story and insights on business, including how to take your in-person business knowledge and turn it into a virtual business. And you're about to hear Fabiana's insights now, because Fabiana is today's guest on Solopreneur Success. Welcome to the Solopreneur Success Podcast, where successful business owners gather to share true stories and sound advice to help you start and grow your own solopreneur business. Come soar with us and design the life you love. Now, here's your host, Steve Combs. Hello, solopreneurs. Today, I'm interviewing Fabiana Clore, who is a founder and director of the University of North Texas Music Business and Entrepreneurship Program, a major program initiative ranked among the top 15 music business schools in the country that help musicians launch their own businesses. And I love that because I'm all about helping people launch and grow a business. And today, she runs the Musician's Profit Umbrella, which helps musicians from all around the world package their skills into a profitable and scalable online teaching or coaching business. That's exciting stuff. So Fabiana, welcome to the show. Thank you, Steve. I'm excited to be here and have this fun conversation with you and your community. That's awesome. And we both happen to be in the North Texas area, I believe now, which is fun. I used to be in New Hampshire and, and now we're both in the same similar area of the country. How did you get involved with the college? I'm just curious how you got to the point where you're building a music program to help so many people. I just want to hear a little bit about your story and background. Sure. Well, I had pursued my career as a musician all my life and culminating in a doctorate degree in piano performance. And towards the end of my career, I realized that I needed to learn about the business side of music, that it wasn't enough to just focus on being an amazing musician and performer and educator that I needed to learn business. So I started learning about entrepreneurship and music business towards the end of my degree. And thankfully, a few years before we finished our program, my husband and I, we're actually both musicians, both pianists, we were doing our doctorates together. We were looking at, you know, what are our options beyond school? Like once we graduate, where do we go? How do we find a job? What are the options? And we started realizing at that point that the statistics for actually getting like a job upon graduation were really, really low in academia. And it was really unlikely that the two of us would get two full-time tenure track positions at a university in the same place. And so I started really looking at what are the other options that I want to rely on that don't depend on someone picking me, right? That I can kind of create on my own. And so my husband and I came up with an idea of building our own business, creating a music school. And throughout our last year in our doctorate program, we launched our Music Academy, Superior Academy of Music. 
uh, which has now been in existence 11 years. So it was a journey of jumping out of a, like a safe, relatively safe environment, right? In academia and just deciding to start our own business. We created our own livelihood essentially, and also hired several of our colleagues who were graduating and feeling like, now what do I do with this shiny doctorate degree? So that was the first journey into like the business side of music. And after five years of running the school, going through all the ups and downs of learning how to build a business, uh, you know, we had a brick and mortar facility, uh, very much anchored in the community in Miami. I started to really wonder what else I could do with all of this experience, you know, how else I could help. And the opportunity to come to UIT kind of fell on my lap. I received an email. They were looking for someone who could help musicians learn about the business side of music. And, you know, for me at that point, it had only been five years ago, you know, that I had been in that same crossroads of looking at, wow, I've got all these degrees in music, but now I don't know what to do with them. So I was really excited about the possibility of coming to the university and helping musicians figure this out and potentially have a business by the time they ended their degree, just like I did and not have to be at the mercy of the job, you know, search statistics and whether someone would hire them or not. And so that was a really interesting opportunity. Of course, caveat to that was that I had a music school in Florida. So when the opportunity to come to North Texas kind of fell on my lap, they appointed me director. We had to really figure out how to make our school run without us, which was not an easy thing to do. But thankfully, after about eight months of brainstorming and really strategizing on how to let the school continue running without us, we made it happen. And so my family and I moved to Texas while we kept our school in Florida. And that experience in and of itself informed my perspective in coaching musicians how to build a business with an exit strategy in mind, right? Without having to think that I'm going to be doing this the rest of my life and just not really structuring their businesses to work without them. But from the beginning, I was telling everyone, look, I just left my school in Florida and it's still going. Like, how can I help you build a business that potentially at one point you may want to either sell or delegate or do whatever that it's not going to depend on you 100%. So that is, was kind of at the forefront. And I just built the program there for five years. I created a number of initiatives, including a music entrepreneurship competition to help musicians raise money while they were in school and launch their businesses. And it was just fascinating to see how when given the proper direction, musicians can transfer that creativity that they use in the arts into business just as well. So that was a wonderful experience. I was able to bring the program, as you mentioned, to national rankings, develop amazing network opportunities, connect with amazing colleagues in the music entrepreneurship field from around the world. And last year, I decided that once again, it's kind of funny how these things happen in every five years in my life. After five years of running the music program at the University of North Texas, I had started my own coaching musicians outside of the university and working with you know, musicians all around the world. And I felt that crossroads once again. It was like I had done this already for UNT and I knew that there was more for me to do, that I could help even more people build their businesses, you know, create their careers in a profitable, impactful way. So I actually stepped out of UNT. I submitted my letter of resignation, much to the shock of many of my colleagues who were, you know, very supportive of my trajectory. And I was on a tenure track. I mean, I had all the amazing support from the university, but I knew that there was more out there for me. So now it's been almost a year that I've been now solo in my business and running my music coaching program. And that's what I'm doing now. There's so much I could just dive into there. It's just exciting. I want to like start a little bit earlier in your journey for my follow-up questions, because the first thing I think of is you kind of started to, to track like the opposite of what many folks on the call is. We were talking before the show, what's a solopreneur? Somebody who 
they're not necessarily without a team, but they tend to work without like a brick and mortar or employees. And you actually left Miami to come to Texas and the music school still thrive. So you mentioned exit. Did you actually exit that business or were you still owners of that business? Are you still today? So we have the business now for 11 years. And for the first five years, I was running the school mainly as well as teaching. And my husband was also teaching. And then he took over the administration when we moved to Texas, since I was now in the role at UNT. So he's actually been the one running it now, mainly for the past six years now. So we still own the school and it's been really an interesting journey of learning how to run things at a distance. And the first year it was rough. I'm going to be honest. It was just full of bumps, right? Because we thought we had systems in place and we did to a certain extent, but when we were pressed to becoming more efficient, we had to be much more careful in how we did all the things. And after the first year of running it remotely, it actually grew more than when, when we were there, which goes to show you how sometimes when we're pressed to become more efficient, we actually do better. And we, we started joking at some point after a couple of years into this, that the best thing we did for the business was leave it. <laughs> it actually grew better, you know, grew more just because my husband and I had to really be very savvy in how to do things at a distance. We had no time and no you know, opportunity to waste effort. So it was actually been an incredible journey of, of seeing it in these different stages, both when we were there full time, the two of us to now running it remotely across the country. So yeah, it's been 11 years that we've been running the school. Yeah, and that's really exciting because there are folks, and I'm sure they're listening to this right now saying, you know, I have a brick and mortar. I wish there was some kind of way I could like step away and not be tied down to this location. That's what I really am a proponent of is having that time and location and and financial independence of where you're doing your work from and and what so do it fulfills you, but not being stuck. And you're no longer stuck for sure. You you have a, an online business, but you know you mentioned challenges. I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. What was the biggest challenge for you? You mentioned systems and processes, and that's so important, especially as you grow a business to create those. But I think sometimes we get in the weeds and we don't really see just where the efficiencies lie or where they could lie if we were to just take a, a better look at that. What kind of things did you find most challenging that you're able to? kind of overcome in that transition? Because I, I think that'd be really important for the listeners to hear about. Because even if they're just a solopreneur today and they plan to stay a solopreneur forever and never have a brick and mortar, they're still going to probably get some great advice there. Yeah. I think what I can share with your listeners applies to people who have brick and mortars as well as to people who have online businesses. Because here's one of the greatest challenges that I've seen musicians face time and time again in my clients when I was working with just students in the context of a university, as well as now that I work with established musicians and educators, university educators all around the world. One of the biggest challenges that musicians and entrepreneurs, I would say, face in growing their businesses is understanding what needs their attention and what they should get support on, right? Whether it's as an employee or as a contractor, how to define what are the things that we need to be doing versus what are the things that we should be delegating. And that's a very important skill Trust me, when I started my school 11 years ago, I hired two assistants because we've always worked with coaches and business advisors. So even in the process of building our music school, we were working with an incubator program and a lot of business coaches. And they all told us, you need to hire an assistant. You need to have a team. You need to do this. But I honestly told them the first week that I hired, I had two. One of them came Monday, Wednesday, Friday. The other came Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. And I literally told them, I have no idea what to tell you to do. I know I need to have you here. And you know, my coaches have told me that part of the budget is to have you know, assistance, but 
I just don't know what to tell you to do. I'm very new at this. And I was very honest with them. And I can relate to this now when I work with musicians who I'm telling them, you need to get yourself some team. Let's get you an assistant. Let's get you someone. And they're like, but I don't know what to do with this team. (laughs) So I think that's one of the biggest challenges that entrepreneurs face is not knowing how to let things go. And a part of that, I think, and especially in the case of creatives, is that we are quick learners. Like we like to learn things. And when we start realizing that we're good at it, we want to do more of it, right? So in our case, for example, when we started our business, we had to learn how to manage QuickBooks and how to learn QuickBooks and have an edge on our bookkeeping. So initially I started learning and then my husband took over until finally we got to our CPA after two or three or four years of us doing our own books, where he was like, guys, why are you doing this? Stop doing the books. You guys are pianists. You're entrepreneurs. You should not be running, like dealing with the bookkeeping. You can find someone to do it for you. And we are all going to be happier. (laughs) (laughs) It was always with this headaches of having to fix all the things that we did wrong because it wasn't in our zone of genius. But it took us like four or five years before we realized, you know what? Let's just offload this to someone. You know what I mean? And so just having that that instant of like, just because we can do things, just because we can learn about them, and even we may be good at it, doesn't mean we should do the things in our business. We need to know what is in our zone of genius. What should we be focusing on? And the more our businesses grow, the more we need to have mental space to strategize, not to implement, not to execute. And so in the work I do with musicians now, that's one of the biggest challenges is helping them recognize that they need support like from day one. It isn't like they need to get all these milestones accomplished first or let me get my first few clients. Let me start getting all this income before I can get support. It's kind of like the other way around, but it's hard sometimes to understand that the way you're going to reach your goal, the way you're going to get those few clients is if you're focusing on what you need to do and then you outsource what you shouldn't be doing. That's so great. And it's funny, we're, we have these little conversations before we do these podcast episodes and, and no difference here with Fabiana and myself. And we were talking about yeah, we, we do have teams. We're not just because we're a solopreneur doesn't mean we're alone. And it's so important that you are not trying to do everything yourself, but you're the CEO of a business of one. But that doesn't mean you don't have a team. And that's exactly what you're talking about there. I'd love to hear a little bit more about your thoughts around why musicians or any solopreneur really, they need to become a CEO of their business. They need to have the mindset of you're not an accountant. Why are you doing QuickBooks? <laughs> like you just said. Anything else that comes to mind says, you know, these are things that as a solopreneur, you need to stop it (laughs) unless it's your core competency. What kind of things come to mind? You're saying you need to be a CEO of your business, even as a solopreneur. What would come to mind for you there, Fabiana? Well, here's the thing. When we are starting our businesses, Steve, you know that we have to initially wear all the hats, right? We have to learn about everything because obviously at the beginning, We are all just figuring this out. So I understand the tendency for entrepreneurs to feel that they need to do it all because I did it all. I get it. Like my husband and I taught piano. We recruited clients. We had conversations with prospective clients. We closed all the sales. We cleaned the academy. Like we did everything in our business. And now we're in Texas and the business runs in Florida. Like we're not even there. How do you go from there to where we are now? And so one of the things that I want you to kind of think about it, your, or your clients, your audience to think about is you need to transition from being someone who can retain clients, who can attract clients and start making sales. You need to transition from that into someone who can now become a leader. 
which is not a skill that we are all just naturally inclined to have, right? Leadership is a skill too, as much as marketing is, as much as understanding our finances, like leadership is a skill. And so when we are trying to grow our businesses and transition from being the ones who do it all to then becoming people who can help assemble teams around us, we need to develop skills around how to relate to people, how to connect with people, how to get people to become ambassadors of our mission, of our business vision. And this applies not just for potential clients, but it also applies for team, right? And so I think a lot of the the problems that get musicians and creatives and entrepreneurs stuck is not recognizing that they need to switch. It's not just about attracting clients anymore. At the beginning, yes, your number one job is I need to get cash. I need to get an influx of cash to get this business off the ground. But once you start proving to yourself that you are capable of getting your first few clients, then you need to quickly start evolving and saying, you know, what brought you here is not going to take you to the next level. So you need to, in many ways, unlearn what you've learned to get to the stage in order to learn new ways of behaving and become a leader, become a visionary and give yourself, you know, as much priority as used to give to maybe marketing and how to attract clients to now how to manage people, how to get people to become a fan of what I'm building and want to support me. So it's this willingness to unlearn what brought you to this point in order to learn new skills, which is also hard because you've worked hard to learn to what you know until this point. You don't want to let it go. So being able to let that go and say, now I need to move on and become a different person in a way so that my business grows. That's, I think, one of the secrets. Wow. That is so good because there's really two sides of that coin that's so important for every solopreneur as you grow. And that that's a must. I don't care if you're a solopreneur, you're an entrepreneur with a big business, you're an employee in a business. You've seen everybody, you go to your local restaurant and you see people who are servers today and maybe tomorrow they're the assistant manager and then the manager, but that takes personal development and growth, at least to be effective in those new roles. And yes, they might get promoted or you might grow your business to a bigger stage and hire people to help you. But if you want to do it well, you have to have that personal development piece. You become better as a person, as a leader. As like Fabiana said there, I also want to, I think you, you covered that very well, but I want to kind of cover the, the flip side of that a little bit because creatives, for example, you mentioned, you know, musicians, writers, artists, whatever you do creatively, I think some are probably going to hang on to that. Oh, but I can't, I can't let it go because this is me and I'm enveloped in my art. What do you tell somebody? Because you work with people like that all day long. How do you say, grow into this new area without letting go of your passion? How do you balance that? Oh, that is such a powerful question, Steve. I'm so glad you asked that because yes, I mean, that is my audience. I work with creatives. I work with musicians. And as a musician myself, I went through many years of struggling to balance my creative, my artistry with the work I was doing as an entrepreneur, as a university educator, as all the things that I was doing on the business side of my life. And I felt firsthand the struggles. And I did not understand how to integrate my creative outlet, my passion, my playing the piano, performing, all of that into what I was doing to make a living. And a few years ago, I had a breaking point that changed everything, which is what kind of gave birth to this whole musician's profit umbrella philosophy, because I discovered something that really changed everything. Musicians and creatives need to integrate their artistry into their business development process in order to balance them both. They cannot be separate. This is why I'm all about uniting everything into an umbrella. That's where the umbrella comes from. 
because for the most part, I had seen my art, my side as an artist as siloed. Like I was either a pianist or a teacher or an entrepreneur. And it wasn't until I took a step back and recognized that actually what I do as an, as a pianist helps elevate my brand as a musician's coach. Therefore, I need to keep my artistic side alive, not just because it's part of my life, one of my want or my passion, but it's also because it, it helps complement my business brand. And so when I discovered that, and I discovered that that's the missing piece of the puzzle for musicians, for creatives, is that they shouldn't just say, I do this day job thing, I do this business, so that at the end of the day, I can sit down and practice piano for no real purpose other than just filling my soul. Instead is to say, how can I weave what I do in my art and my artistic outlet into my brand so that my business depends on me practicing piano? So when I put all of that together, I recognize that that's the way that musicians can actually balance it by having like a online coaching or teaching way to serve people, to give access to people, to work with them in any way that they can using all of their skills, but using their artistry, their craft as a way to build audiences as a way to create content online, as a way to, of course, do performances here and there. I just did a performance in Charleston, South Carolina, the International Piano Series a few weeks ago. My livelihood doesn't depend on the time I'm on stage. Instead, it depends on what I do by packaging everything that I have to offer, including my performing side. Does that make sense? Absolutely. It makes sense. You transition from a creative to a business person, and you have to do that. Even some of the most famous creatives in the world, I would say, would probably consider themselves an artist or whatever, but they're a business people ultimately to succeed because you have to pay the bills. And if you want to do it with the joy of not having to have stress over, hey, how do I pay the bills every month because I'm just squeaking by? That's so important. And you help people with the business of musicians. I'm, I'm curious, do you work on the music side too? or is it, And the work you do today, is it primarily saying transforming the music into business or How do you, I'm just curious, how does that work? The umbrella that you work with, how does that actually come together? And how do you work with clients? Because I'm really curious. Yeah. So what I do is I work with musicians who are, have come to a point in their careers where they've done everything they knew they could do. And they're just burned out. They teach, for example, one-on-one lessons, right? And they're maxed out of time because they gave away all their time. They have no potential for growth. Or they've been relying only on performing opportunities and doing multiple gigs here and there, many of which they don't really want to do, but they're just doing them because they don't understand a new way of building income. Or they perhaps have been teaching at a university and have been used to being perceived in a certain role, let's say as an educator, but they know that they have other skill sets that they want to be able to use. They just don't know how to deliver them in the context of their day job, right, of what they're doing. So I help them take a step back and look at everything they've created and combine it into an online way of supporting people, whether it's a coaching program or a teaching program, but a way where they can use all of their skills from the music side and non-musical side. So for example, I'll give you some examples. I have a client who was an online cello teacher and a cellist, and she had been working with musicians for many, many years, uh, both as a performer, as well as as an educator. But her time was maxed out and her growth was maxed out and she really didn't know how she could scale. So we took a step back and looked at the way she was packaging her teaching services and we helped her consolidate those, package them more strategically, understand how to win back her time, package some of her students, refine her positioning, her messaging to really elevate the value of what she was providing 
And she was able to bring in in just three months, $25,000 just by packaging her skills more strategically and putting her online cello program into this like high ticket fashion. So I help musicians develop high ticket online programs, which is, in my opinion, the easiest way to make money. And so that they can later from there decide how else they want to work. And if they eventually want to create a low ticket offer, that's also possible. But I usually encourage artists to go the high ticket route first in order to just capitalize on their network and restructure the way they're working. So within six months after she launched her first group program for online cello students, she broke the six figure mark because she continued growing and packaging her skills and attracting new people who wanted to come into this now innovative cello program that was like no other because it had all of these features leveraging access to her versus just having the traditional one-on-one lesson where people see their teacher once a week and they don't see them for the rest of the week. And they actually are reinforcing bad habits for the six days remaining in between their lessons. The program we put together with her allowed her to have direct contact with her students every day and be able to support them in addition to the regular times that they would meet with her. So it's just a completely new way of providing value for students. And then at the same time, freeing up her time and raising her prices. So that was just a, an example of how we, we use people who are doing the things, but just optimizing that. Another example was a music educator that I had a client at a university who was an amazing voice teacher. And she had been teaching it in academia for decades. But she actually had to overcome some health issues around her health. She had to learn about biohacking and all these things. So we actually put together a program that combined her experience as a voice teacher that depended on her continuing to be active as a performer because that fuels her brand, but that also incorporated biohacking. And so now her program is called Biohack Your Voice, where she works with singers around the world who need help with singing lessons, but also they want to get this biohacking side and be able to get an idea of how to protect their vocal cords and all those types of things. So again, we take a step back and see what can you offer in a package instead of just one skill and how can we position it in a high ticket fashion where people can just work with you from around the world based on what you really, really feel passionate about delivering. I love that. And the biohack your voice, what a great niche too. I mean, you can separate yourself and really show yourself unique in the marketplace. That's really going to set you up for success. I love the fact that you're talking about the high ticket items because the one thing you can't get more of is your time. And you're a piano teacher or whatever you're doing and you're, you're just, you could be a coach. doesn't matter. If you're doing something that's one-on-one, that needs to be a very high ticket item because you can't get your time back. And if you can, like you said, strategically position yourself so that you can actually serve more people because you want to serve people with, with, with your, your brand is and your skills and your passion is. Why not do that in a way that helps you not be the starving artist <laughs> and instead have a joyful life with the lifestyle that you deserve, that you're growing into as you help others? Because business is really about helping others. That's successful business. You're solving pain points. You're fulfilling desires in the marketplace. So that's wonderful. And wow. I mean, there's so much we can talk <laughs> about here. And I'm like, where do we go next with this? Because there's so much. And, I, and I, yeah, so high ticket. I believe I heard you talk about not just high ticket, but it sounds like almost like taken from solos to group coaching type of atmosphere. It sounds like programs, you can develop programs. And I love what you said, you know, instead of like once a week and you're developing bad habits, working with somebody who it happens the other six days. That's so true in many aspects, or even if it's business and you're a business coach like me, 
maybe your clients are only working four or five days a week in their business, but what are they doing the times they're not seeing you? Are you setting them up for success? And, and I love that you're helping your clients set their clients up for success. That's really what it's all about. So Fabio, tell me a little bit more about how do your clients find you today? I mean, how are you out in the world so people find you? Obviously, you're here in the podcast. This is a great way to reach an audience, right? And I know you have podcast interviews on a regular basis. What ways do you market your business that you can reach others and help them? Yeah, that's a great question because, you know, up until a couple of years ago, I the online marketing world was very new to me. Hey, solopreneurs, it's Steve Combs. We'll get right back to our conversation with Fabiana in a moment. But first, I want to ask you a question. Are you a new business owner still trying to figure out how to get your first customer? Or maybe you've been in the trenches a while but would love to know an easy way to get new clients fast. I'm going to answer those questions during a special live training this coming Tuesday, April 12th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific. During this live training, I'll give you five proven and easy ways to get your very first client or your next one. After attending, you'll be ready to put all five methods to immediate use. In fact, I'll give you actual examples of how I and other solopreneurs use each of these tactics to get new clients fast, even as a brand new solopreneur with little or no experience. Best of all, none of them cost a penny to use. This event is free for every member of my Solopreneur Success Connections community. If you'd like to attend the event and aren't a member yet, simply grab your free lifetime membership now at solopreneurcoach.com forward slash membership. No credit card needed. Inside the members area of the community, you'll find the link to join this and every live training totally free on the upcoming training schedule page. And you get a lot of other free business resources at no charge besides that. So mark your calendar for April 12th at 8 p.m. Eastern. And if you haven't joined my Solopreneur Success Connections community yet, be sure to start your free membership right away so you don't miss out. That link again is solopreneurcoach.com forward slash membership. Now back to Fabiana. Yeah, that's a great question because, you know, up until a couple of years ago, I the online marketing world was very new to me. I wasn't really an online entrepreneur. I was running my music school remotely and I was teaching at a university and I wasn't aware of what it takes to really build an online brand deliberately. Let me put it that way. Because I had been participating in many conferences. I had been traveling around the country. I was a frequent speaker in many different music entrepreneurship conferences and things like that for the five years that I was in academia. So I was very familiar in terms of building relationships and building a brand through in-person events. And when I started building this business before the pandemic started, I started just exploring what it would take to now transition this into the online space and really build an online presence. And so it was a process of learning that really it comes down to two core elements that I really emphasize with my clients. It comes down to connecting and it comes down to creating. And what do I mean with that? It means that if we want to build an online presence, we need to create the context and the information and the education and the inspiration for people to want to connect with us and want to have conversations and share their pain points and share their paradise points and give us that precious data for us to refine our messaging and improve our positioning statement. 
So I really started simply by sharing with my network the fact that I wanted to build this business. I brought my community in my journey from the beginning. I didn't wait to have this polished business, this presence and say, hey, everyone, you want to work with me? I literally opened myself up to my community. And I said, I am very excited about now exploring all of these skills that I've developed throughout my life in my trajectory as a pianist, as an entrepreneur, as a university educator, and now branching out to see how I can support musicians all around the world. And this is what I'm going to be doing. And who's interested in learning more? Let's connect. And that's how I started. From that point on, then I started learning, okay, now I should not just share with my network, but also start creating content online, creating tutorials, creating pieces of content that could add value and at the same time help establish my authority and help create connection. So I started literally just from zero, really started creating my Facebook Live just a couple of years ago. From that point on, I started recognizing that it's not just about creating content, but it's now about creating systems to repurpose that content, right? And so initially I started trying to do it all myself and quickly I remembered, no, this isn't the way to do it. I need to get people to help me. So I started creating systems and learning about ways where I could focus on what I love to do, which is really, I love to share. I love to create videos. I love to have conversations like this with you and podcasts, but I don't like having to go in there and then having to schedule it here, post it there, put the story there with this little tweaky thing graphic. That's not my zone of genius, right? So for me, it's been about understanding, again, how can I focus on the content part that I enjoy? And I've really made that a priority because the moment that we start feeling drag or feeling of drag and creating the content, guess what? It's going to show. People are going to sense that, right? So it beats the whole point. Like if you're just saying, oh, I have to do this video, I have to do this interview, have to do this. And you're showing up with that energy that you're not enjoying it. Guess what? You're not going to have the results that you want in magnetizing people around you and getting people excited about whether they can become clients or collaborators or partners, you name it. So it's been a process of learning, okay, I need to create content so people can know what I'm about. But at the same time, I need to reach out and connect with people and have conversations, invite people to talk to me so that I can understand really what their pain points are and how I can help them, if at all. And when I have those conversations, then it feels more idea for content because I get to see how people discuss their problems. I get to understand their limiting beliefs. I get to understand their objections. And I can talk about that in my content. So those two activities, creating and connecting, are very, very important for anyone trying to kind of establish their businesses, let people in your journey, be okay with being vulnerable, with showing yourself for who you really are. So that once you have your program ready to go and you're like, okay, let's do this. Like I'm open for business. Let's start. People are like excited about it because they've been seeing your journey. Now, this doesn't mean you need to say absolutely everything. You have to do it in a way that feels good to you, right? When I say embrace vulnerability, I do it from a standpoint of like, don't put too much pressure on yourself to appear to be perfect. And that's one of the biggest things that I see in the work that I do with musicians. We tend to be very perfectionists. And so they want to just wait and wait and wait and stay in their heads before they start showing what they're doing or, or inviting people to talk to them. And I always have to push them a little and say, no, it's actually the opposite. I actually remember at some point I was having some conversations. And when I was at this early stage and I would have conversations with people who would be like, oh, but you can do this because you're so whatever, you know? <laughs> You can do this because you're so driven. And I've always seen that you are this and this. And they were kind of distancing themselves a little bit with me because they thought that there was this like picture of like perfect whatever. And I realized like, 
No, that doesn't help. It actually puts people away if you're trying to put yourself up in this pedestal. Not that I was trying to do it, but I felt like somehow I wasn't being vulnerable enough. I wasn't being like raw enough. And that has helped me again, because I had those conversations, I was able to go back and say, well, I need to figure out a way how to bring in people more inside my journey, not just here are the results. Here's what I've been able to do. Here's the outcomes. But like, this has been the process, right? So I wouldn't have been able to do that if I wouldn't have been connecting. So that's why creating content and connecting are two of the most important activities that you need to do to really build a business, no matter what type of business, in my opinion. Oh, that's points well taken. And I would just add that it's not just for starting a business, but even in starting a new initiative in your business, those who are in the community have been watching me. This is the midst of me writing my first book that's actually going to get completed at this time. I actually started a book several years ago and did not complete it. So I noticed like to fail at that venture. And <laughs> I'm actually writing a book now for solopreneurs, how to get a business started. And I'm sharing that journey through email. And it, it's kind of tough. Like you said, sometimes it feels like you have to be a little vulnerable. I think that's so important to kind of share that journey so that people know where you're coming from. Maybe somebody else can be encouraged by that. Say, look, I don't have to be perfect. I just need to keep driving forward, learn from my mistakes, take support from others. And I'm encouraging others as they watch that journey to come along and enjoy this great journey of life and business and, and the, the passions that you that drive you. Well, this has been great, Fabiana. I could talk to you for all day, it sounds like, but I just want to give you an opportunity here to uh, tell our listeners where, where can they learn more about your business and where they find you? I mean, obviously you have, you've been in all three major areas of business. You've been in brick and mortar, you're online, you've, you've been in academia. Today, what's the best way for folks to, to find you and learn about what you're doing and how you might be able to help them if they're in a creative space, especially musicians? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, thank you so much for this conversation, for this opportunity to connect with your community. I'm very excited to offer anyone who's watching, who's listening to this. I actually have a special gift that I think they would benefit from because it's actually a training that will show them how to package all of their skills into their own musician's profit umbrella and by doing it in a single sheet of paper. So it's a 90 minute training that's called Packaging Your Skills into an Online Profitable Music Business. And it can be applied towards any creative business, really. But it's basically a step-by-step process in how you can look at all of the different elements that you need to build a business, but do it in a single sheet of paper. You see, the first time I was introduced to the concept of writing a business plan, I didn't even know what the term meant. I remember literally Googling the term business. It felt so daunting, right? So when I discovered the business canvas, it's just one sheet of paper, and I made an adaptation of it for musicians, for creatives. So I'm really excited to share that with your followers because I think it would help them really go through this process of figuring out how to do what I've talked about all this session and package their skills more strategically and do it all in a single sheet of paper. So I would encourage them to check that resource out. The website is fabianaclorit.com forward slash gift. And so I'm going to probably you're going to link that link here in the show notes. And I think that would be a great way for your community to to get a a taste of what this looks like and how they could package their own skills. I also have a a group, a community that I nurture in my Facebook platform. It's called Musicians Creating Prosperity. And I show up there regularly and I create trainings and content. So I'm constantly adding value to that community as well. If anyone wants to join as a Musicians Creating Prosperity Facebook group. Fantastic. And I'll make sure that those links are also in the show notes for this episode. Fabiana, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Steve. It's been wonderful talking to you and congratulations on all the work that you're doing. I really believe that 
there's just such a great need for entrepreneurs to discover the freedom of entrepreneurship and to be able to realize that they can create their lives on their own terms. And I think what you're doing with your solopreneur brand is just really, really helping everyone around the world. So thank you for what you're doing too. It's an honor to be here. Thank you for listening to the Solopreneur Success Podcast. We hope you discovered valuable advice on how to start and grow your own successful solopreneur business. If you liked the podcast, you'll love the all-new Solopreneur Success Connections community at solopreneurcoach.com. Here you'll get exclusive access to our private, members-only community of business builders, free business building resources, and live online monthly training designed to accelerate your business success. Join us now at solopreneurcoach.com. Hey, solopreneurs, it's Steve Combs again. You can find all the links to the resources mentioned in this episode on the show notes page at solopreneurcoach.com forward slash 056. Musicians who would love to turn their musical passion into a thriving solopreneur business should definitely check out the resources Fabiana offers. And again, remember to join me on April 12th at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific for my free live training on five easy ways to get your first customer or your next. If you need to join my community still, visit solopreneurcoach.com forward slash membership. I hope to see you there.